Welcome to the OAESP Principal Podcast. This podcast features elementary principals and assistant principals from the great state of Oklahoma. I am Glenn Napsher, the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Association of Elementary School Principals. Today on the podcast, we have Charla Matthews. She is the principal at Grove Upper Elementary School, serving fourth sixth grades with Grove Public Schools. So I'd like to welcome uh, Charla to uh, the podcast and hope you enjoy today's conversation. Charla Matthews, welcome to the OAEFP Principal Podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Glenn. I'm so excited to be here. I've listened to the podcast since you started it. I'm excited that you are focusing on Oklahoma principles and just allowing us another opportunity to share. So thank you for having me. Yes, you bet. So Charla is the uh, principal of Grove Upper Elementary School that serves uh, fourth through sixth grade in, uh, in Grove, Oklahoma, which is up in the northeast corner, right on the beautiful Grand, Grand Lake. And, yes, sir. Uh, been up there many, many times. And so, um, so Charla, for our listeners, would you tell people who you are, mm-hmm. but also tell us how uh, about your path to the principalship? Absolutely. So um, I come from a family of educators. My grandmother was a teacher. My dad was a superintendent and a coach. My mom was a teacher and a principal. Um, I have two sisters. We all do the same thing. There was a time we were all three counselors and there's a time where we're all three principals. And um, now we kind of have various jobs in education, but it kind of is just in the genetics. And um, so I am an I am a secondary person who has found herself in an elementary world. Um, I started my career. I went to Uh, college at East Central University in Ada, started my career as a family and consumer sciences teacher at Edmonds Memorial High School and um, did that for four years, loved my job, but was kind of um, married to it. And so I had, when I was little, I had lived through my mom getting her master's degree and her not being home at night and her having to balance everything. And I decided that I didn't want to do that to my family. And so I um, graduated in May, started my first teaching job in August, got married in September, and then started my master's in January. So we were pretty, pretty crazy, finished up my master's. And then from the classroom, went to Piedmont High School where I was the high school counselor. And um, we loved the Oklahoma City area, thought we would be there for a long time, but my husband is from Grove and he is a banker and accepted a job to come home, even though all of his family had, uh, they were teachers too, they had retired from Oklahoma and gone to Texas to double dip. So I thought he was moving me to the ends of the earth, but he promised me the opportunity for me to be able to stay home with our then two-year-old daughter, who is now 15. And so we came up here and I took some time off and had our family and realized that being at home was not quite the cup of tea that I uh, needed. I needed an outlet. And so I came back to work part-time um, for Grove Public Schools, and I started out at the Early Childhood Center as Julie Bloss's counselor. And I remember telling Julie, 
I don't do little kids. I do 18 year olds who sometimes cuss me out. I don't do wet tennis, wet uh, shoestrings when it's not raining outside. And I don't do snot across my thighs. And she said, but this is where you are in life. Cause I had a five-year-old at the time. And I said, you know what, you're right. I think I lasted about six months. And um, our superintendent then called me to go to the middle school. And I took a job as what they called school improvement specialist. And that was a really fancy name for, they wanted to hire someone to help out um, our principal there um, and our counselor do a little bit of half and half work, but they didn't wanna pay them like an administrator. So their side was that they got a lot of administrative help. And my side was, I still got to work part-time. So um, my principal at that point was Pat Dodson, who is now our superintendent. And I worked over there at the middle school for seven years. And then he took a su the superintendency and he offered me the opportunity to start from the ground up in the in 2019 we started our full-time virtual school and he asked me to completely start that and take that over not knowing that what was going to come at the end of that school year and how we were going to be so glad <laughs> that we had started it that year and that was a huge learning curve i had pre-k through 12th grade um, I had about 75 students when we were at our biggest at that point. And at the end of that school year, this position came open. I had had my principal's certification um, since I finished my master's degree. Back then, you could get your master's in counseling and still take your principal's test in the early 2000s. And so I did that just to give myself some options. And um, I have been here now for two and a half years as the principal at the upper elementary. And um, I love it and um, love, the, love the kids and our awesome staff, but that's kind of how, how we ended up here. All right, well, very good, very good. So um, talk a little bit about who are some of your mentors that poured into you, uh, you know, may, maybe not just into the principalship, but maybe, but also just throughout your life that has helped them lead you on your career? Well, when I think of someone, and we talked about this at a P, at our PD that we had district-wide last week, when I talk about someone who completely changed my life, um, who is outside our family, it had to be my high school home ec teacher, um, Gail Burton. She was the one who, who encouraged me, who told me that I could do anything I put my mind to, um, she's still one that I talk to and that I keep in touch with. Uh, she and I went on and, and did some really awesome big things when I was in high school and leadership-wise, but she still encourages me to this day. And then kind of in the field of education, I have to say it's my sisters. We have a, uh, I have one sister who is the high school principal at Chisholm in Enid. And then my other sister's director of student services for Norman Public Schools. And so we have our little chat, our little text message thread going, and we run ideas by each other. Um, we're in three schools that are vastly different in size. So it's kind of like what's the, the middle, the big, and the little doing um, and deal with kids in all sorts of ages. And so 
they are definitely my support system and and they also mentor me through the path of um encouraging me to i think all of us always knew that we would be in educational administration like i said it was just kind of in our genetics so um just encouraging each other because it's not always a fun job <laughs> and um, we get really random pictures on that text message thread but um just just encouraging each other to continue the fight. All right. Well, very good. So tell us about your school, Grove Upper Elementary. What mm. makes it such a great place to be? Um, so Grove is a, a different place. Like I said, when my husband moved me up here, I thought he was moving me to the end of the earth. I don't have a Target or a Hobby Lobby what are you doing to me? Um, so, but we are on the shores of beautiful Grand Lake. And so that really defines the makeup of our school. We have about 530 fourth, fifth and sixth graders that will fluctuate all the way to up right around 600, depending on the size of class that we have come through. Um, our student body is, about 60, between 60 and 65% free and reduced lunch. We are a title one school. Grove is very much a community of the haves and the have nots. And so um, that can be a challenge for us as we look at the makeup. We also are within the boundaries of the Cherokee Nation and we have a great relationship with our tribal communities. So that is part of our makeup as well. Uh, Having third, fourth, and fifth grade, it's kind of like running three buildings in one. Um, the year that I came, uh, I started the, in May of 2020. So we were all like, I couldn't even see my teachers um, face to face at that point. And so it was really difficult. But uh, I started that year of COVID and thought, oh, it can't get any worse than this. And then I think year two was like, hold my drink and I'll show you. Um, but it has been a great experience to grow. We started having a set schedule because the administrator before me had not um, set a schedule for each grade level. So all three of our grade levels are on a set schedule. They're all kind of different. My fourth graders have two teacher rotations. My fifth graders have four teacher rotations. And then my sixth grade runs on a completely departmentalized schedule. So it's all crazy. And we have bells ringing out here all day long, no matter where you are. But it, we are a transition school and that's what we see um, is we are helping to transition our students from their elementary years to their secondary years. Um, so that when they leave here and they go to seventh grade, they are prepared to make that transition into their secondary lives. And so that's our overarching goal here. But man, the people are what make Grove Upper Elementary what it is, our students and our staff. It, we are high energy, we are fun, um, and we just make the environment where our kids and our staff want to be here. And so that's what makes us special. All right, very good. Now, how many students do you have at your school? This year, we have about 530. I have, I'm blessed this year because I have two small grade levels. Next year, I will be up 
close, really close to 600. Okay. All right. Well, very good. So, Charlie, what are some things that you do for your staff that shows that they are supported and and in and, and encouraged? I have a really close relationship with our superintendent, Mr. Dodson, and um, because we worked together at the middle school. And when he offered me this position, he told me you're the climate and the culture at the upper elementary are struggling. And so your goal for your first year is to really just make it a place where your staff wants to be there. And so that was my focus and really um, my thought process was our, of course that was a COVID year, um, but our instruction will come after our climate and culture do. If I don't have climate and culture, I'm not gonna have great instruction. And um, kind of like if you don't have relationships with kids, you're not gonna have the classroom management and the behavior that you want, kind of the same situation. So we started doing things um, just all the time to pour into my staff. So the very first thing that I did when I took the principalship was I made um, appointments with every single one of my teachers and we could meet um, for meetings just to talk. I wanna get to know you as a person. I wanna know what you love about the upper. I wanna know what you think we can do better. What do you hope to see in me as a leader? And so for some of those, because of the time, if they were most comfortable, we did them via Zoom or we may meet and walk around the lake or we might go to lunch or we might just sit here in my office and talk. Um, I even had one where we sat on my front porch and rocked in our rocking chairs like two little old ladies and talked about books. But um, that was the very first thing I did. And that really helped me build relationships with my staff. And I took notes and listened to what they said. And then once we started school, we were A, also happy to be back in our building. Um, but B, we had those connections. And then I, um, my secretary, the very first time paychecks went out, she said, I worked for a principal that used to give out chocolate with every paycheck. And she would go to every teacher's door and knock on their door and hand them their paycheck and they would choose a piece of chocolate. And um, she said, that's a great way for you to build relationships. I said, okay. So I kind of took that idea and I ran with it. I had read... Um, Oh, the pirate book about appreciation. Is it appreciate, lead with appreciation? That's what it is. Julie Bloss had given, our ECC principal had given me that book to read that summer. And so I kind of took that and ran with it. And so we now have what we call payday surprise. And so um, I knew if I scheduled a day every month to show my teachers appreciation, then I wouldn't forget and get too busy and let other things get in the way. So for me, it was just easy to do it on payday. So we have done, now, I mean, typically it is food because let's not lie, we all uh, enjoy that. But we've done everything from had local ladies in the community bake us pies at Thanksgiving to we did like the, 
the little goodie cart that you take around everywhere. And then this year I had a paraprofessional who came up to me and she said, I would love to take payday surprise off of your plate so that you have time to do something else. And I was really pretty torn because I love doing payday surprise, but why would I not want to grow one of my staff members who is wanting to help and wanting to serve our school. So she took that over and she's done an amazing job. Just a couple of days ago, we had a coffee truck out front and each of our teachers were able to go out and get a coffee of their choice from the coffee truck. So that's one thing that my staff looks forward to and they're always trying to guess what fun thing we're gonna have on payday that month. Yeah, yeah, that's always fun. So, Charlotte, what what is one piece of advice that you wish somebody would have told you about the principalship before you stepped into that role? Oh, my gosh, we could write a book, right? I mean, <laughs> you think the job is easy until you get into it. And you're like, oh, my goodness, so many different things. Um, I think the one piece of advice that... I wished I would have had, or the thing I wished I would have had a heads up on is how you immediately step in to doing life with your staff and you become ingrained and you build that relationship with them and relationships are messy and life is messy. Um, the second year I was here in the months of July, August, and September, each of those months, I had a teacher um, who lost a husband, one to COVID, or two to COVID, and one to, um, he had heart failure, and they are in three classrooms beside each other in my fourth grade hallway. I have a teacher who has terminal cancer, um, and I think just sometimes the weight of doing life together um, is something that I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for. Um, and I wish, I don't know if someone would have told me that, that it would have made sense to me until I experienced it. But, uh, you know, we were able to celebrate last week that our teacher who has terminal cancer missed the whole fall semester and she was able to return last week. And so what a great celebration for our staff. But just being um, able to step into doing life with people on a daily basis, sometimes that's just hard. And I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to give advice to somebody that's new, mm -hmm. just dipping in that role or wishes to, what would you tell them? Um, I have a brand new assistant principal this year and uh, we've known each other for a long time. Um, and when I hired her, uh, we kind of laughed because neither one of us knew how it was going to work. We're two very strong, strong-headed women, um, but it's worked beautifully. But we're both in that age where we have kids who are super, super busy. Um, we both have husbands and families to care for. We're involved in other things in our community. And so my one piece of advice is set boundaries. I don't believe in balance. Um, 
my family life shouldn't balance with my work life. My family is always going to be more important than my work life. Um, but I do believe in boundaries. And so I have tried to set clear boundaries for, you know, there are days where my husband take, is able to take the kids to school and I'm able to get here like at 6.15 or 6.30 in the morning. But that's also because I have to leave about 4.15 or 4.30 in the evening because my kiddo, I have three kids who are in tons of activities and I have to run them around. And um, I may still take phone calls or work on my phone or take my bus radio with me um, out and about so that I can still take those calls, but it's all about boundaries. And um, so that's something that I would say is set your boundaries as you go in. And because otherwise you're gonna find yourself married to the job and something else is going uh, to sacrifice for that. Yeah, that is really great advice. I, I found, um, particularly in the last school that I, I was at, I, it was, I was tasked with trying to get it turned around in a very wow. short amount of time. And, uh, and I put everything I had in, into it. And, uh, and I would always get these text messages from my teachers when we have night events, whether it was a school carnival or a performance or something like that. And, and they'd say, uh, hey, uh, something came up with my family uh, tonight. I'm not going to make it. And I'd always tell them, family first, always, family always. first. I tell them all the time. How, we have however, I didn't follow that. I didn't follow exactly, my own Exactly, exactly. Because you're taking care of everybody else. And I was not taking care of me. Me. And I wasn't taking, and and luckily my wife was very understanding. She, she you know, she's been through this process of running two different buildings. And uh, and so, you know, luckily she, she was very understanding. But, um, but, you know, other kids came first before my own kids. Yes. And, uh, and so, uh, so boundaries is very important. Great, great advice. My husband said to me, we were, um, I had a very emotional week a few weeks ago and, uh, right before Christmas and just a lot going on and by George, I want to make Christmas fun. And these kids aren't playing along with me. They have to act up. <laughs> um, and, uh, my husband put his arm around me one night and he said, this is our mission work. This is where God put us. And this is our mission field. And you're doing exactly what God wants you to do when God wants you to do it. And he said, and I'm here to support you in doing that. And that was just so important to me. And I, to have that support and to, to realize that he, it's not just us. He also took on this job when I did. Mm -hmm. And everything that comes with being that spouse of an administrator. Um, and so I'm very blessed in that area. His parents were teachers too. So he understands. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I had been teaching for a few years when uh, my, my wife and I got married. And so when we got married, I had, I, I wrote up a contract and I, and I had her sign it. And the contract basically said that I will help my loving husband, um, grade papers, do rules. <laughs> uh, you know, come up and help set up a classroom in the summer. And of course she assigned it. And, um, and then, then we started having kids. So that probably lasted like a, a year, but <laughs> as I stepped into leadership, she was there every time we had an evening event, cause she was either helping to run yeah. the stand or selling tickets or 
you know, just helped me. And, you know, and it wasn't just that night because it's all the nights of planning as you get ready for those big events. And then, and then the part that I hated the most was the cleanup after. Absolutely. <laughs> he says he has a longer honeydew list at the school than he does at home. Um, yeah. Because I'm like, I need you to put together these shelves or I need you to hang these TVs or yeah. whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to wait on maintenance. Can you just come get it done? <laughs> right. Okay. So Charlotte, you've been a member of OAESP and COSA for a few years. So mm -hmm. talk a little bit about why do you think it's important and what do you get the most out, out of your out of your membership? So it's always interesting to me to talk to people who it isn't an automatic to be a COSA member or it isn't an automatic decision to be an OAESP. I'm very blessed that in our district, we have a lot of administrators who are very involved um, in their different organizations in COSA. And so that has kind of been our mentorship for those of us um, who are younger in our principalship. And it was never a question. Um, are you going to join COSA? I mean, it was kind of expected. You are going to join COSA and you are going to jo join um, your, your grade level group. And so I am an organizational person, though, and because I like to feel connected to people. And this is a lonely job. Mm -hmm. And um, that first year mm -hmm. with COVID, I remember kind of sitting here and I have my sisters, but at that point we were doing different kind of different jobs like we are now at different grade levels. And I, it was just kind of hard. And I'm the only one in our district who has fourth, fifth and sixth grade. Um, so luckily, I personally knew a couple of other administrators that I could reach out to and ask questions for. Um, but that was also a year where everything COSA-wise was virtual. And so it was real, really hard for me to make those networking connections. So it really wasn't until year two. And um, I came to New Principals Academy and made the trek down to Oklahoma City every month. And what a great learning experience and networking experience that was for me. And then just being able to, um, to meet people and hear their stories. Every time that I can, which hasn't been very often this year, I get on the tele-lead um, Zoom call. And it's a great opportunity just for me to say, Okay, I can write down her name. Um, that was my first interaction with Kat Nelson. I can write down Kat's name and I know if I have a question, um, I can reach out to her and she can answer that, uh, give me her perspective in that. And then it's also been neat because I've been able to see other people from pa my past life that um, I had lost touch with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a principal now too. Uh -huh. And um, we can connect, reconnect in that way. So just those connections with people and the feeling that you're not alone and you can reach out to other people who have done, um, who are doing great things all around the state. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all good. And, uh, and I, I do appreciate you mentioning the, uh, the new principals Academy. And uh, that's, one of my favorite things that I get to do every year is get to uh, talk to uh, our, our our new principals that, that that join that group, and we meet four times uh, throughout the year. Uh, well, really through the fall, 
yeah and uh and we talk about building school school culture and we talk about uh, the principal as a as an instructional leader we talk about the role uh, of the principal in special education mm-hmm. and also school uh, safety and security and how to run effective meetings and HR best practices and those and those uh, kind, kind kinds of things and so it is one of my favorite things that I get to do is to work with new principals and um, and I I also get to share a little bit about my story and how how uh, I was able to t- take that school um, that used to be a high performing school had dropped and trying to get it turned around and so um, but anyway so uh, so I do, I do appreciate you mentioning that. It's really a great opportunity and I encourage anyone, you know, our high school principal had been an assistant principal for years and years and years. And then he stepped into the head principal role and he still came to New Principals Academy when I did and still learned a lot and was able to share lots of wisdom um, also. So it's not just for those who are brand new to any principalship, Mm -hmm. but those who are changing from an AP to a head principal as well. Yeah, 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 that's good. So as we kind of wrap this episode up, the purpose of the OAESP Principal Podcast is to elevate the voices of Oklahoma principals. So I'm going to pass this right back to you for some of your final thoughts. You know, I think that it is really easy, um, especially now as we record this, we're in early January. Um, This week, we had a handover of power, I guess you could say, in the Oklahoma education world. And I think it's really easy for sometimes us to focus on that political scene um, and get down and get discouraged and all of the things that make the headlines. But I want to encourage all of our leaders out there and our teachers out there and our support staff that your classroom doesn't have to change. It's still about building relationships with kids, loving on kids, and giving them the best education that you can. And so no matter who is sitting in the governor's mansion or not sitting in the governor's mansion for for that, or who's sitting at the Department of Ed, really the impact on your classroom doesn't have to be huge because you're still going to come and you're still going to love on your kids and you're still going to teach them. I just want to encourage you in that um, because sometimes we can get really tied up in the political rhetoric and it's important and it's crucial, um, but it's not as crucial as making that connection with that kiddo sitting in your school. So go out and do that and change the world. Very well said. Charlotte Matthews, principal of Grove Upper Elementary School, thank you for joining us today on the OAESP Principal Podcast. Thank you for having me, Glenn. Thank you for listening to the OAESP Principal Podcast. If you're not a member of COSA or OAESP, it is not too too late to join. You can go to www.cosa.org, that's ccosa.org, and click join to learn more about the benefits of being a member. Right now, membership uh, prices have been reduced for the, the remainder of this year. And if you are interested in um, 
that membership form for the reduced rates, you'll need to send me an email at absher at cosa.org. That's A-B-S-H-E-R-E at cosa.org, and it'll be, uh, I'll put the uh, email address also in the, in, in the show notes. We'll let you know about our uh, upcoming Coastal Summer Leadership Conference. It will be held June 14th through 16th at the Oklahoma City Convention Center and the Omni Hotel. Keynote speakers include Inky Johnson. Inky played football for the University of Tennessee and was projected as a top 30 pick in the NFL draft when a life-threatening injury took place on the field. So come hear his story of perseverance and determination to overcome his, his injury. You will be inspired by, by his journey. Also, our closing keynote speaker is going to be uh, the one and only Gary Brooks. Uh, he has a huge following on social media with his humorous videos that focus on real-world educational experiences. Registration is, is now open. And uh, so mark your calendar for June 14th through 16th. Register today and the hotel uh, blocks have also been uh, opened up. We have four different hotels that that we are using. And so uh, I will also put that in the show notes. And you can go to our website at coastal.org uh, and, and go to professional learning and conferences. And, uh, and we hope to see you there at the Coastal Summer Conference. As always, thank you for listening to the OASP Principal Podcast. Keep doing great things in our public schools. Thank you and have a great day.